Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Xander's Facts. Hello, everyone. Welcome into Xander's Facts. I'm, of course, the aforementioned Xander's. Not new episode of the podcast, Xander's Facts Flashback, Wednesday, April 19th, 2023. Thank you all so much for listening. We got a good flashback coming up this week. It's from episode 90, the DC Cash Cab. Talked about all the money that's in politics. You know, there's a lot of that stuff in there, so we're going to talk about that this week. Well, actually, I already talked about it before on the podcast, but you're going to listen to the segment that we did in case you missed it, or if you want to listen to the facts again. We're going to have that this week on the podcast. Also, some new content, because if you can't tell, I'm a little disturbed. I'm a little angry. Really? And I'm going to get some things off my chest here in just a second about a sporting event that just occurred. I'm recording this Tuesday, April 18th at around 6 p.m. Eastern time. About an hour ago, there was a sporting event that ended. And I'm going to talk about it on this podcast. And I might yell on this podcast. So please be advised. Warning for your ears in case I get a little overboard we're going to talk about that though just a second on the podcast before we do just want to remind you all that if you like the zaders facts podcast remember to follow the podcast download this episode the zaders facts flashback rate and review the podcast and check us out on all the socials twitter facebook instagram tiktok at zaders facts that's Xander with a z and most importantly remember to tell all your friends we like to call it around here spread the facts zaders facts podcast tell all your friends about the podcast about the newsletter zaders weekend facts comes out every sunday morning it's free link in this episode's description Zaders Facts Linktree has all the Zaders Facts links that you need, including for the Zaders Facts website, which includes the Zaders Facts shop. Get your fact swag at the Zaders Facts shop. I'm angry! If you can't tell. Because, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. Uh-oh. Before we get to this week's Zaders Facts flashback, Tuesday, April 18th, the day before this flashback is coming out, there was a soccer match that occurred at Stamford Bridge in London, England on Tuesday, between Chelsea Football Club and Real Madrid Football Club in the UEFA Champions League. And in that match, Chelsea proceeded to lose 2-0. Second leg, they lost 2-0 in the first leg at Real Madrid. They lost 4-0 on aggregate. They are out of the Champions League. Now, typically, this would not have me so upset. Because Chelsea, Chelsea are 11th in the Premier League at the moment. They are having just a horrible season. So to anyone, really, this was very much expected, even if I picked Chelsea to win all my Sanders Facts predictions on Instagram. So even though I picked them, I was kind of expecting they would lose. However, in the fashion that they did, I was absolutely disgusted. It was an absolute what I just witnessed. And to be honest, I'm going to tell you that I was actually watching most of this game while I was in class. Kind of. It was, I had my little tablet on, and it was on the corner of my screen, so I did pay attention. I also pay attention to class, though, just to let you know. Good to know. But, the what I witnessed in the first game, the first leg last week, and in this leg, was an absolute disgrace. Because, Chelsea, who are now on their third manager of the season after they fired Thomas Tuchel because they lost. A lot of people will tell you Chelsea are doing bad. Oh, we shouldn't have fired Thomas Tuchel. You all are forgetting that he lost 
to Dynamo Zagreb in the Champions League group stage. And that's why they had to fire him. The team, you've never heard of them before. From Croatia. You'd never heard of them before. He lost to them, so he had to get fired. Then they hire Graham Potter from Brighton. And I don't know what happens, but they were terrible once again. And so he's fired. And now in comes the interim caretaker, basically, manager for the rest of the season, Frank Lampard, who was previously Chelsea's manager, but was fired in 2021. And then Thomas Tuchel took over. So. Chelsea are on their third manager. In the four games that Chelsea have played under Frank Lampard, do you know the results of all those matches? I will tell you that they have not won a single one of them. They have not drawn a single one of them. They lost all four of them. Two of them to Real Madrid, but also a loss to Brighton and a loss to. Wolves. Wolverhampton Wanderers. They lost to. They lost to Brighton at home. How on earth, and you're 11th in the Premier League table, how on earth has this happened from a team who won the Champions League back in 2021, last year finished third in the Premier League, and their players look terrible. And the reason why I'm talking about this and why I have gotten so angry after this specific matches because of the lineup that was produced for the Real Madrid match that occurred on Tuesday. Chelsea knew they had to score at least two goals. They were down 2-0 from the first leg on aggregate. They needed to score at least two goals, three, to move on to the semifinals. And Frank Lampard puts out a lineup of Kai Havertz as his striker and the other two Four words, Angolo Conte and Connor Gallagher, who are not forwards, they're midfielders. You have on your bench Jao Felix, Ugh, Mikhailo Mudrik, who, by the way, Butterfly Boy, as he is known around these parts, Butterfly Boy, who's from Ukraine, came from Ukraine in the winter, was billed as this major signing. They spent £70 million on him. And he has done jack squat. He has done nothing. Why doesn't he, first off, why isn't he in Ukraine fighting for his country? Instead, he's off playing soccer in London, yelling the N-word. He's white, by the way. Yelling the N-word out in convertible cars. He's done nothing. You also have Raheem Sterling on the bench. Mason Bounce. And oh... Who else on the bench but our very own Pooley God, the GOAT, my lord, my liege, Christian Pulisic, was on the bench. And in a match where you need to score at least two goals, three, you don't put Felix, Butterfly Boy, even though he's terrible, Sterling, Mount, or Pulisic on the pitch. And then, Chelsea go down 3-0. Rodrigo scores for Real Madrid. It's 3-0 in the second half. And who does Frank Lampard put on in the 67th minute? Triple substitution. Shaw Felix, Raheem Sterling, and Butterfly Boy! Butterfly Boy, who, by the way, has two assists this season for Chelsea, but zero goals. He has played 443 minutes. 
He has zero goals. But Pooley Goat has one goal this season because they barely played him. And then what does Butterfly Boy proceed to do on the pitch? He skies a wide open shot, which could have given Chelsea life, and gets a yellow card. So basically, nothing. And at any point in the match, does Christian Pulisic come on? No, he does not. Chelsea, at one point, 80th minute, Rodrigo scores again. He's got a brace. It's now 2-0, 4-0 on aggregate. Pulisic still does not come in. I mean, really? What? Do you remember? Two years ago, in the 2021 semifinals of the Champions League, Christian Pulisic's goal is what sent Chelsea over Real Madrid to the final. And you don't put him in the game? What is wrong with you? I mean, there have been people who have been talking for almost a year now. Pulisic needs to leave Chelsea. Oh my gosh, he doesn't get enough playing time. They just put Raheem Sterling. Frickin' Moroccan, whatever his name is. Zish. He looks like he's just having a horrible time playing soccer. He looks so annoyed. Every single time he lays on the pitch, they play him over Pulisic. Now they play Felix. They play frickin' Butterfly Boy. And I was like, up until this point, you know what? Pulisic should stay at Chelsea. Finally, someone will realize that he should be starting. One of the managers. But no. None of them have realized. And so, now it is time, officially, for Christian Pulisic to leave Chelsea. The Premier League, last week, announced a six-club preseason tour around the United States, which includes Chelsea and Full America. Six clubs are going to play preseason friendlies, which don't mean anything, around the United States in a bunch of stadiums, and they're going to charge, you know, prices that are way higher than the games in England are, which is just a total disgrace in and of itself. But I was even thinking, oh, maybe it'd be fun to go see Fulham, a full America, and Chelsea with Pulisic at FedEx Field in DC, which I already have my reservations about. And by the way, the whole DC football team Washington thing we got to talk about on another podcast. But now, why would I do that? I'm not going to do that. Pooley Goat, the god, needs to leave Chelsea immediately. I don't care if the season's not over, if the summer transfer window hasn't opened. He has to leave. Now, it is a sinking ship. No one on this team, Kai Havertz, N'Golo Conte, Reese James, Kovacic, Tiago Silva, Mason Mount, all these players who won the Champions League two years ago, now uh, something happened. Now they have no clue what they're doing. The passes on this team today in the game and the games previously have been awful. It's like they don't talk to each other at any point in their lives anymore. And this is not just the Frank Lampard thing. It was a Graham Potter thing. It was a Thomas Tuchel thing. So at some point, you have to realize that just buying all these players, Enzo Fernandez, who had a fought mob score of 6.8, didn't do so well today, was bought for a record transfer fee. But Butterfly boy. Whatever. Fofana. Kukorea. All these players you buy for millions and millions and millions of pounds 
aren't helping because there's a serious problem within your club that really apparently doesn't have to do with your players or maybe even your coach because it transcends coaches. And these are players who won the Champions League, so we know they are some of the best in the world. But right now, they look terrible. And something has happened. And you know what? This is not good energy for a lord, a liege, a pooly goat like our American hero, Christian Pulisic himself, who has scored in a World Cup and can't even play over Cutter Gallagher as a forward. You're down two goals. You need two goals. And you put out one attacker in your lineup. Frank Lampard, he was playing like he had a 2-0 lead. They didn't. Their passing is terrible. Their finishing is the worst I've ever seen out of Chelsea. And I've been following them for I don't know how long. They have scored. They scored one goal against Brighton this last Saturday. The Champions League match against Chelsea, no goals. No goals against Wolves. No goals against Liverpool. No goals in their loss to Aston Villa. So in their last six matches, they have scored a total of one goal. Like, at this rate, they're going to get relegated. Holy cow! Like Leeds! Oh, don't get me started on Leeds. <laughs> yeah, they're really doing well after they fired Jesse Marsh, huh? No, they're not! They just lost 6-1 to Liverpool! Enough. Oh, take a breath, y'all. Oh my gosh, I don't... This is just... What is going on? Why is Chelsea terrible? And you can't blame the GOAT, because he's not playing! When you need your attackers, you need to score goals! What is... I don't understand. I don't understand. And it's not like you're playing the greatest Real Madrid team ever. They're second, way behind Barcelona in La Liga this year. They're not going to win La Liga. They're not... I just... Oh, uh, what? Oh, uh, I don't understand why. Where is Pulisic? Play him! Oh, he's got to go, ladies and gentlemen. He has to go. His career will be tarnished. The English will have done it again. They will have sabotaged another American player if Christian Pulisic continues to stay at Chelsea. They're doing it right now at Leeds with Medford Messi, who they everybody fouls him. Don't get called for fouls. And Tyler Adams, who was injured and is out for the season because he got injured at practice. I mean, it is not a conspiracy theory because it is factual. What they are doing, sabotaging our players, our great American heroes, who, by the way, played better than the English British at the World Cup, if you remember that match. They're all, they're not very happy about that, so that's why they're doing this to us. Fact! Because they also don't like soccer. They say football. It's football. It's soccer! Soccer Saturday is a literal TV show they have on in England. I just can't anymore. Ugh, enough. That was my rant on Chelsea Football Club. Whatever they are. Ever since Todd Bowley. Todd Bowley the American, the William and Mary Virginia grad. He's done an awful job. He's done a 
horrible, awful job because he's gone through. This is his third manager now he's been through, and they look horrible. I mean, good grief. What an absolute joke Chelsea Football Club is, which is why Christian Pulisic needs to leave. Get out of there immediately. Immediately. That man should be arrested immediately. Holy cow. Just awful. Just awful, ladies and gentlemen. That's my monologue on the awful thing that happened on Tuesday, which I, it's been months in the making, but finally it has led me to this point to get these things off my chest on this podcast. I just can't. This is Xander's Facts flashback, y'all. So let's move that behind us. Now let's go, let's do some happy things now. Let's talk about our Xander's Facts flashback this week, which is from episode 90, which is from January, which was called the DC Cash Cab. We are talking about all the influence that money has on our politics because, spoiler alert, it's a lot. There's a lot of money in politics. It has a lot of influence on our politics, which sort of kind of is not that democratic in a way that we like to think of our democracy as good. Maybe there's some issues with it. I don't know. Let's talk about it, though, because I talked about it back in January. So let's replay that podcast right here. We are talking about money and politics from episode 90 of this podcast right here this week on this Sanders Facts Flashback. Sanders Facts. Let's get to our sole topic for this week. Here we go. Money in politics, because there's a lot of it in politics, and it's not exactly our money that's in politics. Because there's a sad reality that we should all probably face. And, well, mostly all of us. Maybe not some of us. But it's that we don't have that much influence in our politics. Unless, that is, if you are an individual with a lot of money. And by a lot, I mean a whole lot of money. Because, yes, we are talking about voting all the time. I always say how important it is because it gives us, the people... A voice in our democracy, and that's true. Voting is the biggest tool we have, the biggest voice we have in our democracy, which is great. But there are a few in this country who actually have a much larger voice. And it's not because they have more than one vote, but it's because they have much more money than the average American. And it turns out that having a lot of money can do wonders to advance whatever agenda you have. And that's true in many facets of life. And that includes politics and y'all probably know about all that but what about where all this money comes from what all that money actually does we all hear and talk about oh washington is so corrupt why is it so corrupt it's a question a lot of us have and the answer is about to be revealed on this podcast actually so just hold on so on this week's podcast we're going to take a look at just how much money is in our politics where it comes from what it does and eventually, what we can do to get rid of it, because that would be nice. So before I get started, by the way, I just wanted to let you all know that there was a previous episode of this podcast that was recorded back in July. Ugh. Episode 71 of the Zaders Facts podcast, The Rich Keep Getting Richer, 
which did pretty well back in the summer, I might say. But when you finish listening to this podcast, go check out that podcast if you haven't, because we talked about wealth inequality in the U.S., and a lot of it kind of relates to what we're about to talk about. So if you haven't listened to that episode, or you need to go listen because you haven't listened in, since last year, oh my gosh, 2022, then go check out that podcast, because it also has a lot of facts and a lot of similar facts based on wealth and inequality, which we're going to talk about here on this podcast. But let's start off on this podcast with the question of how did our politics in the United States, but in a lot of places, but specifically we're talking about in the United States, get overrun with wealth, all this money. And when I say all this money, I'm talking about billions and billions of dollars, billions with a B. Get that dough! And what we're talking about here is not what the federal government takes in from tax revenues and spends. That's a whole other thing, which we can talk about and we have on this podcast. But what we're talking about is what is spent on political campaigns by outside forces. What we're talking about is the money that is being spent that influences how much money the government spends and where it spends it. And most of this obviously has to do with Congress, but it could definitely apply to the other two branches of the federal government and state and local levels of government in some circumstances. But the biggest issue that we all see all the time, or we all complain about, is with Congress. And it all starts when a candidate declares that they're running for public office. And in order to have any chance of winning, if you run for any office, this is true for any level, local, state, federal, you have to get your name out there. And that takes something that we like to call moolah, money. Hello. I like money. Mr. Krabs loves him some money. What inspired you to build a second Krusty Krab right next door to the original? Money. And you need to make sure that the voters know who you are and what you stand for, where you stand on the issues. You need to make flyers, campaign signs, online ads, television ads, maybe. All of these things to make sure that you are known. But not just to the voters but also to the donors, who can be voters, but not in all cases. And here's the first number I'm going to bring out for you. It costs an average of over $2 million to run a successful campaign for the U.S. House. So a campaign, a candidate's campaign, usually has to spend, on average, $2 million to win an election for the U.S. House. In the Senate, that average cost in the 2018 midterm elections was over $15 million. Fact nugget! And while a lot of candidates tend to use their own wealth in their campaigns, donors can obviously help. And obviously, sometimes, you can't use your own wealth because you don't really have any. You don't have $2 million. In fact, in 2018, Beto O'Rourke, the Democrat who lost the Texas Senate race in 2018, spent $79 million. And he lost. Now, of course, that's including money from donors who donate directly to the campaign. But even that number is still pretty crazy. And then, if you're actually trying to replace an incumbent, so if you're running against the person who already holds the seat, it can get even more pricey because that's what Beto experienced when he ran against Ted Cruz. In last year's congressional elections, we're talking 2022 now, 94.5% of the incumbents running in the House won. And that number really hasn't changed much in the last few decades. There is a thing called incumbency advantage, and 
it is real. That's why most presidents serve two terms. Because after your first term, when you run for your second term, you usually win. That's usually what happened. There's been a couple of cases. Well, there's been one case recently where that did not happen. You really need to royally screw up for that not to happen if you're running. Need some ice for that sick burn. But it's a big deal when an incumbent loses. Like, you remember Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the Democratic primary win was that, 2018, when she beat Joe Crowley, who was one of the top Democrats in the House. He was the chair of the House Democratic Caucus, and that was in a primary. That was a huge deal because Crowley had served in that seat in New York for two decades, and then he loses to someone that we had never heard of before. So incumbency advantage is a real deal. So add that on to the cost of trying to run a successful campaign. And even when you spend $79 million, it may still not work. But with this money, we're talking about actually contributing to the campaign of a political candidate. Because there are federal laws that limit how much money an individual or a PAC, which is a political action committee, can give to a political candidate. So last year, the maximum amount of money that you, an individual, could give to a candidate for federal office was $2,900. For multi-candidate PACs, political action committees, that number is $5,000. So you're probably thinking, well, I probably wouldn't spend $2,900 on a political campaign, nor could I, but that doesn't seem too bad. I mean, $2,900 can add up to a lot if a ton of people are donating, but not billions and billions of dollars, you know? So that's not where the real issue lies. To find out where the real issue lies, we're going to go all the way back to the great year of 2009. How about that? 2009. Man, that was rough. 14 years ago, the inauguration of our first black president, Sandra, was just a wee youngling. And also in that year, the Supreme Court heard the case of Citizens United versus the Federal Election Commission. Now, you've probably heard of Citizens United before. They're a conservative, nonprofit organization that in 2008 were trying to promote an era film that was critical of Hillary Clinton during the 2008 presidential primary elections. But because the film was considered electioneering communication and was within 30 days of a primary election, or in the case of that law, 60 days within a general election, the broadcasting the film would have violated the 2002 Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act, which was passed on a bipartisan basis through Congress and signed into law by President George W. Bush. America. That law, which is also known as the McCain-Feingold Act for Senators John McCain and Russ Feingold, who were on opposite sides of the aisle, dealt with soft money and campaign financing and issue advocacy ads like the Citizens United one, if you need an example. Citizens United, so they sued the FEC, saying that the ban of all independent expenditures by corporations and unions was a violation of the First Amendment's protection of free speech. Then in the next year, 2010, the Supreme Court agreed with Citizens United on a 5-4 decision. The five conservatives voted with Citizens United. The four liberals dissented and sided in favor of the FEC. And so the majority of the court decided that no limit should be placed on corporate independent expenditures for elections. And because of this ruling, corporations and outside groups can spend unlimited amounts of money on campaign spending. 
they don't give that money to the candidate because that would be illegal since it would exceed the limits on giving to candidates. Instead, they spend it on their own. And at the time of the ruling, 2010, Republicans like the leader of the Republicans in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, praised the ruling. He said it would restore First Amendment rights, while Democrats like then-President Barack Obama decried the ruling because they said it gave special interests and lobbyists even more power. So now, instead of tens of millions or less that we talk about for candidate expenditures, we're talking about much, much more that goes into a political campaign. And so that leads us to one of our next questions. So what does all this outside money do, and where exactly does it go to? Well, the first election where we saw this happen, where the aftermath of the Citizens United ruling, where we were able to see its effects, was in the 2010 midterms. That was the year Republicans made massive gains to take control of the House on that Tea Party movement. The Citizens United ruling came on January 21st of that year, 2010, and by election day, nearly $300 million had been spent by outside groups, 40% of that coming from undisclosed sources, so we don't know where 40% of that came from. Oops! Which might be a problem. This money wasn't given directly to candidates, though. It was given to indirectly support candidates and causes. And that created what we now know today as super PACs. Remember those political action committees? Now they're supersized, so they're super PACs. So I'll give you an example of a super PAC in action. In 2016, you may remember a Republican presidential candidate by the name of Carly Fiorina, taking you back a ways. Who? The name of Carly's official campaign committee was Carly for President. That was the name of her campaign. But some of her supporters set up a super PAC by the name of Carly for America. You see the similarities? So Carly for America, which was the super PAC, was able to attend events which were held by the Fiorina campaign. They signed people up to an email list. They handed out stickers. They helped the campaign with setting up events, volunteering for no pay. I said that in air quotes. And Carly for America was able to raise millions of dollars and use that to indirectly help the Fiorina campaign without actually giving the money to the campaign directly. And obviously, Carly Fiorina didn't win the Republican primary in 2016, but this happens with every candidate. And it's not just a partisan problem because super PACs live on both sides of the spectrum. Republican and Democratic supporters each set up super PACs that make millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars to support their candidate indirectly. And because of the Citizens United ruling, that is all perfectly legal. That was dumb. Well, technically, members of super PACs and campaigns cannot actually coordinate with each other. They cannot communicate on these campaigns, basically. That's illegal. But as you would imagine, the government agency that is in charge of regulating this, the Federal Election Commission, the FEC, has a hard time of it. And not just because it would be difficult to track coordination, especially if no paper trail was left. That'd be difficult seeing, did these people communicate with these people? That's already difficult. But also because 
The FEC, spoiler alert, has basically been set up to fail. What do you say? And if you don't know what the FEC is, it's the Federal Election Commission, which is an independent regulatory agency which was created in 1974 after amendments were added to the Federal Election Campaign Act. This came after the Watergate scandal, and there were serious financial abuses in the 1972 presidential election. And members of Congress, on a bipartisan basis, agreed that there needed to be a government agency that was regulating campaign finance laws, especially after they passed the Federal Election Campaign Act in 1971. But the commission is set up so that on all times, there are three Republicans and three Democrats. And when there is a tie vote, nothing happens. So you would imagine how much gets done over there at the FEC. Hint, it's not a lot. Do better. So even on top of all the indirect support that super PACs can give, there's probably instances where they have directly supported candidates too. And they've gotten away with it. Because of our great bureaucracy. How about that? So during election season, when you see a digital or television or even print ad, and it doesn't say it's endorsed by a certain candidate, then it's most likely coming from a super PAC. Like during an election, everybody complains about all the ads. If you're watching TV, there's going to be an ad and Donnie Boy is going to say, I'm Donald Trump and I approve this ad because it was approved by his campaign. His campaign spends on it. But there are also ads that promote what Trump wants to do, or him as a candidate, but they're not approved by Donnie Boy. And so those ads are likely coming from a super PAC. And in the 2022 elections, which just happened a few months ago, there were 2,462 super PACs. And yeah, they do all need to be registered with the FEC. That's something the FEC makes sure they do keep an eye on, is registering these super PACs. In last year's elections, these super PACs raised, this is a big number I'm about to throw out at y'all, $2,701,502,151. That's how much they raised. They spent $1,353,113,454. That's a lot of numbers. And 61% of that money spent came from conservative super PACs. And a 2020 report from the nonprofit Public Citizen found that from 2010 to 2020, nearly $1.4 billion was given to super PACs by just 25 donors and their spouses. $1.4 billion from 2010 to 2020, was given by just 25 people and their spouses. That's insane. And in 2014, it was found in those elections that 94% of donors who gave $5,000 or more were white. When in the last census, which was 2020, but that's only six years, wouldn't be that big of a change, white people who were not Hispanic or Latino made up just 59% of the population in 2020. Gash facts. And so when we talk about those 25 donors, which we're talking about the richest of the rich, take, for example, Sheldon and Miriam Adelson, the owners of the Las Vegas Sands Corporation, which is a casino company. Now, Sheldon passed away in 2021, 
But after the 2017 tax cuts passed by Republicans in the Congress, which gave the Adelsons a $700 million tax break, by the way, they then invested $113 million of that into the 2018 elections for Republicans, which was the record for a political contribution by a single household. But, Xander, I thought that that money was going to trickle down to the middle and lower classes. Well, turns out it didn't. I know. Shocker. We've talked about that before on this podcast, how they usually don't trickle down. And guess what? These donors were absolutely pushing Republicans to pass these tax cuts. There were donors who were threatening to withhold their support in future elections if they didn't. And it's really a never-ending cycle, or it has been up until now, because that tax cut in 2017 cut the federal corporate tax rate from 35% to 21%. And that's how not just the Adelsons, but a lot of people who own these large corporations got big tax breaks. Not really for the people who don't make over half a million dollars a year. And we talked about that on episode 71 of the podcast, which you should go check out. Seamless bug. And that's about where the effective corporate tax rate stands. But hasn't always been that way. It was much higher back in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. It was hanging around 50, 40%. And actually, back in those days, 40s and 50s, the corporate income tax as a share of our GDP was up around 4, 5, 6%. And in 2009, it was just 1%. It's a fact. And that was really started by the massive corporate tax cuts that happened in the 80s, which happened to be when a certain Republican was president. But the fact is, the donors for Republicans were still asking for it, the lobbyists. You know, we weren't dealing with all the money from Citizens United back in the 80s, but there was still some influence for these politicians on Capitol Hill. Now, it's just really all out in the open, and we can see how much money is being spent. This amount of money has never been spent before, but still, it's just staggering. So, you add that that donors are pushing Republicans to pass these tax cuts because their donors get huge tax breaks from these tax cuts for corporations and the wealthy. You add all that on top of the lobbying that goes around on Capitol Hill and has forever, where politicians are influenced by big money-making lobbyists, those lobbyists make a lot of money, and the stock trading that politicians partake in, and the corruption as well, and it's added up to the most money we've ever seen in politics by far. And all that money means a lot of influence. And since it's not us, normal, everyday Americans, giving that money, that influence doesn't go to us. Because most politicians can just follow the money instead of listening to their constituents. But in most cases, because they either have a D or an R next to their name, they'll keep getting reelected. And fundraising for the next election begins the day after the last election ends. It doesn't matter if you're a House member and you got two-year cycles or a Senate member and you got six-year cycles. 
always fundraising for the next election begins the day after the last election ends. If you say so. So the question of why are politicians corrupt and out of touch with their constituents, which many polls would suggest that the vast majority of Americans believe, both sides of the aisle, well, take what Citizens United has done as a direct example. It's always been that the wealthiest and lobbyists have major influences on these politicians, but now it's worse than it's ever been because we have billions with a B of dollars getting pumped in to our politics. So the last question I got is, what can we do to try and get money out of politics? Because it's not looking good, y'all. Our politicians are getting major indirect support from the wealthiest people in the country and in turn are doing their bidding in Congress. And if you need any more evidence of this, just look at insulin. There was a price cap for insulin that passed Congress last year for $35. So the out-of-pocket cost for insulin would be capped at $35 if you were on Medicare. But Republicans blocked the part where that would affect everyone, not just if you're on Medicare. Why would they do that, though? Because they've got big pharma who does not want that to happen. They want their profits to continue to grow, and capping the cost of insulin will not allow their profits to continue to grow. And that relates to any other pharmaceutical drug, too, that's out there. And the pharmaceutical companies are charging these crazy rates because they can. Because Congress isn't going to do anything about it because the pharmaceutical companies are indirectly paying these candidates and saying, listen, if you want to continue to get my money, indirectly, of course, my support, then don't vote for price reductions or price caps for pharmaceutical drugs. It's all true! That's what's basically happening with that and other things. And it probably seems like we can never fix this. But there are solutions. And they've even been proposed in Congress. There was a big bill two years ago now. Take, for instance, the For the People Act. We talked about the For the People Act back in the day on this podcast, in the early days of this podcast. Episode 19 of this podcast from June 2021. Actually, you should go check that out because I'm going to ramble for a second. But I looked back on that podcast and I absolutely love that podcast episode because we took a look. I actually read that bill and I summarized it and I marked out all the sections that are important stuff and all that. Like I went through that bill and I broke it down for all y'all on that podcast. And also that was the podcast. I think it's called The Kids Are All Right, where we talked about the U.S. men's national team and their Nations League win over Mexico, which I like to credit as the game that really got me into soccer, which we now talk about on the time of this podcast. So that's why I absolutely love episode 19 of the podcast. So if you haven't checked it out, you should, because it is absolutely one of my favorites that we've done out of 90 episodes now. How about that? So go listen to that. Judge Xander. That bill, the For the People Act, was most known for voting rights, but it also included something called the Disclose Act. Disclose is actually 
stands for something. It stands for democracy is strengthened by casting light on spending in elections. That bill would require dark money groups, ones where we don't know where that money's coming from, to disclose any contribution over $10,000. And it, along with the For the People Act, was blocked by Senate Republicans. Now, ever since 2010 and the Citizens United ruling, that bill has been introduced in Congress, that Disclose Act, and it has not passed since 2010, 13 years now. We've been trying to pass it, and it has not happened because it's not getting Republican support. And without placing limits, on outside group contributions or disclosing these donors, we probably aren't going to be able to pass things in Congress like the For the People Act or something like increasing the minimum wage or fighting climate change or revamping health care, which I think everybody thinks needs to happen, or fighting to stop mass shootings or lowering prescription drug costs like we just said, or actually getting necessary election reforms passed for the People Act or really anything noteworthy that would significantly improve our society. Instead, we'll get more things like tax breaks for the wealthy, loosening regulations, like what happened in the Citizens United case. Because it's pretty insane that from March 18th of 2020, you may remember that time, that was not a good time, to June 17th of 2020, the total net worth of U.S. billionaires rose from $2.9 trillion to $3.5 trillion in three months. This is a fact. At the height of the pandemic, over 40 million Americans filed for unemployment benefits, and the net worth of billionaires rose by $600 billion. And a lot of that is because in the CARES Act that was passed included tax breaks. More of them. So there you go. And also, closing loopholes for corporate donations, limiting outside spendings, and making sure that we actually know who is spending what and where are reforms that probably need to be passed. And probably banning Congress members from trading stocks and sitting on corporate boards would lessen the influence that the wealthiest have on them too. This is something that both parties are guilty of because Nancy Pelosi is an individual who does not want stock trading to be banned by congressional members. These are issues that we have with members from both sides of the aisle. There's a senator who's now an independent named Kirsten Sinema. You know, when she got in Congress 2018, she was worth a lot less than she is now. And her views have changed a lot from then to now. I saw one thing that she was talking about randomly. I don't know what it was, but she called Kevin McCarthy a dear friend. Now, I'm all for bipartisanship, but really, you know, that's an individual who has made a lot of money in Congress, and his views have changed. She was a very progressive Arizona state legislature, and now she's an independent because she doesn't want to get rid of the filibuster to do all these progressive Democratic things. And there really aren't many reasons why she would completely flip-flop on all these positions in a couple years, except for I don't know, maybe... I like money! The promise of wealth. So, there you go. And until we get those things, all these reforms, the situation we're in is probably just gonna get worse and worse. Things need to happen. Things need to change. 
or unless we're just going to keep going in this never-ending cycle of tax breaks and politicians gaining money rapidly overnight, their net worths ballooning, and not because of us, but because of those at the top who might not want things that we do. They might want things that give them more power and wealth, and we might not want that because we might not want monopolies. We might want competition. We might want better wages, better working conditions. And as in we, I'm talking about the vast majority of people in this country and around the world. But we'll see. Things have got to change because there's a lot of money in our politics and it is not a good thing. Spitting the truth. Xander's facts. And there you have it, y'all. That is this week's Xander's Facts flashback. Thank you all so much for listening to that and my little monologue I had before. I had to get some stuff off my chest, y'all. I'm good now. But, uh, yeah, things need to change. And in a few weeks, we'll be talking about soccer again because the club soccer season in Europe is coming to a conclusion. So we're, of course, going to be talking about that on this podcast. Stay tuned for that in the coming weeks. But that is all the facts I have on this week's Xander's Facts Flashback. Thank you all so much for listening. And remember, if you liked all the facts that we had on this week's podcast, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, this Xander's Facts Flashback. Remember to rate and review the podcast and check us out on all our socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Xander's Facts, that's Xander with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends, we call it Spread the Facts, Xander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast, about the newsletter, Xander's Weekend Facts, about Xander's Facts on YouTube, you should go check out Xander's Facts on YouTube too because all our new episodes get posted on there. Check out Xander's Facts on YouTube. Subscribe, like, heart, whatever, I don't know. And then check out the Xander's Facts link tree. It's linked in this episode's description for all the Xander's Facts links that you need. That is it for the Xander's Facts flashback episode 102. A new episode of the podcast is coming out next week. So make sure to stay tuned for all the facts that we've got coming for you, cooking up next week week. But that is it. That is a wrap on this Sanders Facts flashback. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see y'all with episode 102 next week. <laughs>